0: Hello and welcome to Utabia, Stephen Chicken here, alongside he's a David Hartrick. How are you doing? <laughs> have I done that one before?
1: I don't know, but I quite like being sung onto stage. Quite enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it was good. I might get a I might get a guy to sit in the corner of the room with a piano and just get him like to play us in. Like when you're coming into assembly, did you used to have that at school? You'd have a pianist playing you into assembly. No,
1: our school was was nowhere near posh enough to have even a piano. <laughs>
0: I mean, mine was a, a working-class comprehensive backing onto a council estate, so uh, anyway, not to worry.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: Huddersfield Town we should probably talk about rather than primary school assemblies. Um, it's been a busy couple of weeks. We've had a couple of pre-season friendlies, we've had a couple of transfers, and we're already out of a cup Uh Tudder Town lost 1-0 to Rochdale at the weekend in Carlos Corband's competitive debut in the town dugout. It wasn't great, was it, Dave?
1: No, it was uh it was a performance. It was stuttering first half. There was the odd sign. Um I mean I keep going back to that. Tofflow chance from the corner if he'd have scored that I think it might have gone a very different way and everybody might have relaxed but
0: second half there were two or three weren't there Tofflow
1: but second half was it was a bit of a shocker to be honest with you it was it was as bad as I've seen town for a long time really and I include the Wigan and Luton games in that but I do I, I think there are mitigating circumstances for that but I think you have to acknowledge it really was pretty bad that second half in play for at least the first half an hour was terrible they I will concede they did pick up that last sort of 10 minutes they had a proper go for it um but yeah it was was not a great showing really
0: no it it wasn't great as you say and I thought they they lost shape, as, you, as you've sort of alluded to in the second half. We were sort of trying to keep track of, of what the formation was at any point, and it was sort of a 3-4-3 a three, three for the first hour or so until the first substitution. Then it went to a kind of a 3-4-2-1, a and then we completely... <laughs> completely lost track of what it was supposed I mean, it to be was, after Isaac Comenda came. At one
1: off. point, it was like a four-two-four, and then they ended yeah. up the last five minutes uh, in something resembling a four-four-two, and it was it, it was all a bit confused and a bit. I thought what was quite sort of indicative was bringing on Mbenza and Carby and um, at first Mbenza came in on, on the left. Then they almost immediately switched. Toffolo was still running into the areas that both of them were trying to, trying to create themselves. It was just... I mean, as I said, philosophies take time and a sea change of a playing style takes time. We're not, you know, writing anything off or being overtly negative or anything like that. But it was it was the sort of performance that you really hope has got something out of people's system and they can go forward from that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, in, in other circumstances, if, yeah, I think if Town had just sort of finished 12th in the table, um and then they'd brought in core and they were looking to build in this style of play then probably that the reaction to it that we had and that i had in terms of my, my player ratings for whatever they're worth i think regular listeners will know not to put too much stock in player ratings in my opinion but there we go but also in the five conclusions i think um my sort of my initial reaction was was pretty negative to the performance and i think if as I say, if Town had had a better season last year and were just looking to to move the style of play yeah. on, then I would have been much more forgiving of it. I think the the problem is is that they urgently need to to start improving. They can't afford to start the season with another sort of big long winless run like they did at the start of last season. And, you know, they've got some tricky fixtures there. Let's be honest, I don't think anyone has hugely high hopes for, for any of those first three games. Um, but they need to at least get a couple of points, you know, if they can even just squeak out a draw. But the the indications are that they're, they're not going to be trying to squeak anything out. They're going to be going for it. And as you say, there is a mitigation for for the performance. I thought there are a lot of occasions where they actually worked the ball well and got into decent positions um, to to get the ball into the box. But then they would either badly, um, you know, they, they would mess it up on the final execution, either with with the the cross or occasionally with a shot. They would shoot when they when they shouldn't have shot. They would cross balls out over the uh, over the far touch line out for a throw in. And then there are a handful of occasions where they actually got decent looking balls, low balls into the six yard box and there was no one there to finish them. And that to me is uh, a team that hasn't played together much before, which is exactly what it was between the fact that they had young players, they had new sign-ins in the side. They had players who were out on loan last season and barely played. There weren't a lot of players on that pitch that, that had played together very much in competitive games before... Before Saturday, um, I, I did a, a chart of it. If you go on on my Twitter and look at look at my media tweets, there's there's a little chart I did showing how many minutes each sort of pass, passing combination had played together last season, and most of them it's zero. So there is something. There are positives to build on there, but they can't afford to spend all season about it. No,
1: I, I think you've got to put a bit of context around Rochdale as well, who um, have sold. I think. Th- th- Two of their best players certainly um, they for me who is their third best player Ollie Rathbone played in the game but was playing with an injury they played had to start without a recognized striker the only strikers they had were two youngsters who came off the bench um, they played I think four defensive midfielders two of them out of position so they weren't town weren't up against elite level opposition um, which is the the slightly worrying thing for me, because they've got to, uh, <laughs> they are coming up against a run of three fixtures where, f- for this level, they are up against the elite challengers. You know, they are uh, what represents that in this league. And they've got to improve very, very, very quickly. Um, and it's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy to just improve overnight. Uh, the other thing that slightly worried me is just how poor a goal it was to concede really um which we know town have sort of have got a problem with set pieces at both ends of the pitch really they've got major work to do to get better um but it was just another one where it's a a very very straightforward goal to concede you know that uh, that's one of them that as a manager drives you mad because it should be so easily dealt with and we we looked over the goal and we could, could make an argument that three players were sort of at fault to varying degrees goalkeeper Schindler and Critchlow um and that's 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 not good that's not good but again you can't I there was a lot of negativity around after the game and I understand that and I get that but I I do think there are circumstances around it this this isn't a quick fix um and ultimately you had a team there where they showing you the future which is they are trying to look at which of these youngsters they can bring in and i thought that's the very best i've seen Roe play in a town shirt uh i yeah. thought jackson was just quietly efficient you know got around his mm-hmm. job he'll he'll have better games but i'm sure he'll have worse i thought he was fine Critchlow, i wasn't blown away by i know uh, <sighs> A lot of people were were praising him after the game. I thought he had a he had a horrible spell in the middle of the game before and after half time, and there was a couple of times where he, he drove me mad because that long straight ball that we've talked about trouble in town before he let a couple not only go by him but bounce in the area, and that's where you're asking for trouble against teams with a little bit of know how and a little bit of else, but. There are there are transfers that are going to change this squad. There are things that will happen. It, it was just all a bit. It felt. You said to me afterwards. It felt like almost another friendly in some respects, and we know yeah. it wasn't because there was there was obviously a run in the league cup at stake. But it did have that air of it with the the way the team that was selected and some of the things that were that were tried. And it was more interesting, I think, to talk about. Carlos on the touchline really. And what did you think of his demeanor? What can fans expect when they are eventually allowed into the ground?
0: He's certainly not placid in the dugout. <laughs> um you know he's he's open he's he's giving instructions constantly. He's you know he's he's shouting at the players, you know, he's he's not he's not Andre Boas silently squatting there and scratching his chin. Um but uh, although I think he does squat sometimes actually. But um <laughs> yeah, no, I mean he was he was going mad at times about sort of the lack of movement in particular yeah. and how slow things were. Because, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we saw it on the I mean we, we sort of saw it coming and and with the centre-backs they've got fit available at the moment I think this is going to be a bit of a, an issue and and Jonathan Hogg as well was back in the squad and to be fair to Hogg he's he's barely even uh, trained over the last few weeks let alone you've got an ice cream van yeah do you
1: want one Dixon's ice cream van yeah 99
0: around. 99 please yeah thank <laughs> you no, but uh, hockey was uh, was in the side, and to be fair to him, he's he's barely trained this summer, let alone uh, he hasn't played any of the friendlies. So perhaps you'd expect him to be a bit rusty and a little bit slow on the ball. And again, Corbran was was positive after the game. I think, to be honest, maybe a little bit too positive, and that that also gave a bit of that air of it being another friendly. to to proceedings because I to be, and I guess that after his first competitive game, he's not exactly, particularly when he's picked a young squad, he's not exactly going to come out and, and slaughter his players. Um, But uh, he was much, much more positive than negative after Mm -hmm. the game, which I thought was a bit odd given that he'd just lost to a team in the division below who hadn't played a competitive game together for six months. Yeah. But, but I can see where he's coming from because from his perspective, the players are taking on an awful lot of new information and, trying to to adapt to a completely different mm. way of playing. And, you know, we part of the, the reason that the Cowleys kind of had a an immediate impact when they came in last season is because they actually kept things largely the same. I think they only made three changes in their first game in charge with against Sheffield Wednesday, and one of them was, was forced by injury. The others were, were, were like for like. They kept Jan Siegert's formation for, for a long time, that 4-3-3. Um, and, you know, they talked about how continuity was was kind of what they needed now they're looking to adapt to a, a new system and as a longer term project i can understand why they want to do that but as you say it's going to take time it's not going to happen overnight so i think that positivity from Corbran was more him saying look they were they were doing what i asked them to do uh, on the whole it wasn't perfect yes it was it was too slow we need to speed it up but that will come um, as the players get used to the system and get used to this way of playing. So, uh, yeah. But as you as we've said, it's you know that that does need to happen sooner rather than later. We can't still be sitting here in December saying we you know the style of play needs more time to to develop. It needs to be at least functional, even if it's not perfect. It needs to at least be getting. Sort of 1.3 points per game pretty soon on in the season. If Town aren't going to be in another relegation
1: battle, yeah, he, he's a very um, he's, he's quite a, a Cowley esque presence in the in the on the touchline. He's they there's a similar way in that he sort of observes for a minute and then it's all action for a minute and then he just steps back and and has another look. And it was good to see him, you know, we were chatting at half time. And it was good to see him. This, this is the sort of thing that doesn't really come across when you're watching on iFollow. It was good to see that he was going mad at the same things that me and you were going mad about. So the, the lack of speed in the final third, the lack of confidence, the, the perpetual need for some of those players to always take another touch when the, there's the quick first-time ball on. Um, and he was mm. he was really really annoyed several times at really promising positions coming to nothing because of players literally just taking an extra touch, which immediately gives the defence that half a second they need to reset. Um, so yeah, so it was it's it was quite promising from that point of view. But I think the problem is this was a this was a good opportunity to start with a sort of safe comfortable win and move on with a little bit of confidence and unfortunately the mm-hmm. not just the result but the 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 nature of the performance has just left everybody feeling a bit flat when at a time when everybody in the club wants fans to be fizzy and excited and it was just mm-hmm. a bit it, it was a bit of a bit of a shame they couldn't get something from the game but i i That lack of confidence in the final third is something they've got to sort out immediately. Or that is going to, as you rightly pointed out, what we can't have here is another nine games in and only one point on the board situation. Because the the Cowleys, for all their faults, and I know some people are fans and some people aren't, they are completely results-driven managers. Uh, They're not artisans, and what Town have committed to here is an artisan so if they if they're in trouble early on it's it's going to be tough to compromise that to get out of it you know um but yeah it was it was I completely understand why people reacted like they did on social media etc but uh, there are one or two mitigating circumstances. But I think out of these first run of games, town fans have got to see at least one performance—not necessarily result—but yeah. one performance where they go, right, okay, we we can see what's see what's what they want to do and and what's occurring. Part of the problem I had anecdotally from talking to several friends who are town fans and and several people on social media, etc., was. They were worried that they came away from that game not really knowing what, this, what the new style was supposed to be. Obviously, there was a bit more passing and a bit more possession based, but they didn't come away with a sort of an idea of the template. And I get that, but that's not down to the management team. That's down to players who are still trying to take it off. And let's be honest, one or two who probably aren't capable of doing what needs to be done longer term, but it's round pegs in round holes for the right now.
0: Yeah, exactly, and you know it was as we said, it was a, an experimental um, team selection, and he, you know, he stuck with the players that he's basically had available in pre-season. There are a couple of of key omissions as well. Obviously, Carl and Grant didn't play with with the transfer talk around him, and, and Steve Mooneye as well. Those are two players who, well, put it this way: if neither of them played for Town ever again, you wouldn't be at all surprised. Um, I, I I wonder whether I mean the the Carline Grant thing looks like dragging on for a little while longer yet uh, at time of recording. Um, although obviously things can change very quickly, I wouldn't be enormously surprised to see him back in the squad against Norwich, even if he doesn't start. Um, but uh, but and that's not based on anything the club had told me. That's just you know if the, if the deal isn't ticking along, then why not pick him? Mm. Um, but Mounier looks like he's, he's on his way. He's, he's heading to to Brest uh, back in France. So, so the the squad that we already said was looking thin is is getting a bit thinner and we'll we'll talk about the new signing they've made Pippa in just a moment but it, it I mean it's it was an experimental lineup but it's not like they rested you know five or six players they and and there are one or two that are still injured but it's not like they rested a load of players for this cup game that that's that's the squad they've got
1: yeah and the the thing is with the with Grant and Mooney, it's not, just the bodies that they need It's they're losing goals there and it's it's alright saying well this is a philosophy and a style that shares the goals around but the, the problem with that is that everybody everybody who plays in attacking positions for Huddersfield Town is so bereft of confidence in front of goal that every mm-hmm. single one of them needs a goal early on to, to get going um, it really is that sort of stark so I, I think Town have to look at potential recruitment after those two have gone it's i know danny to come in but he barely got a sniff on saturday because the the service to him just wasn't there but his movement was good um he he second half before he he went off he he just got tricked into coming a little bit too deep because he wanted to try and get on the ball a bit more Yeah. um which is a, a very very typical striker being starved of the ball move um and what you really need is you need him in the position so that when the cross does come in, he that one cross is there. But I, I think we've known Grant is going for a while, ultimately. And yeah. you know, I think everybody wishes him well because we know there was a little wobble at half-time at Barnsley shall we say but you know apart from that he's been a very decent server to the club and got a lot of goals last season and and they're going to miss those goals but Mounier came in and had a big big impact in that second run of games before lockdown and got a couple of really big goals as well and listen we've we've spoke about Mounier's limitations before and what he can and what he can't do but what he can do he can do really really well and he wouldn't fit in this system, Steve. We, we know ultimately what we no. think Town are aiming for and he's even less likely to work in this system than he was in the Cowleys. But they are missing that impact player because I just I just don't see it in Fraser Campbell. I I, I don't see the goal return to, to say he's the man who you can bring off the bench in a really tight game and he's the one who's going to make the big difference. Um, so it's an interesting quandary there, what Town do, how they look at it, because... It's not like you just go out and get a striker to replace Carlin Grant because obviously he plays on the left anyway. <laughs> and you've got a central striker in Danny Ward. So it's there's a question there now, I think, that needs to be answered by those two potential departures.
0: I think that's right, and I think there's there's a hope internally that that Isaac and Benza or Adama Diacarbi might come good. Josh Karoma obviously played on uh, on Saturday as well and
1: I thought Karoma has been well i've told you before i think he's been pre-season i think he's been town's best performer but saturday he was trying so hard so hard yeah. just he he just needs to relax he needs to he he needs to get past that thing of thinking that every 45 minutes he plays might be his last in the first team for 3 months and mm. just relax cuz pre-season i know he, he got the headlines for that goal against uh, united but he was really really good really, really good in general. Um, And I really hope he can carry that on. But yeah, he just needs to just calm down a bit.
0: Uh, The first 25 minutes or so, he was, you know, town's brightest player. He he carved Rochdale open multiple times. They got him on the ball out on the right. They, you know, they got him behind Rochdale to... to, uh, to the point where actually they started putting everything down the right and it all just became a bit too predictable. Um, and they should have at that point switched it up and, and looked to get down the left. I, I don't remember Harry Toffolo getting to the byline once in the cool. in the first half because they were putting everything up Coroma's side once they realised um, that that he was getting joy. But as you say, he was just rushing everything once he got to the edge of the box, picking the wrong options. He just looked, looked desperate to get on, on the score sheet. And yeah, I would agree that you know, he needs to relax a bit. Um, they've also, as I say, they've got high hopes for Isaac and Benzer, who, to be fair, you and I sat here last week and said, you know, he, he often looks a bit uninterested when he came off the bench. He, he certainly didn't on Saturday. He was, I thought he was no, he was right at it. He, he was yeah. Yeah, it was a good cameo, um, yeah, it was good. Um, but dear Carby was, was the dear Carby, which sort of, um, <laughs> we've sort of come to know I,
1: the, there was. Uh, I mentioned it on the pod last season but there was, a, there was a moment against Southampton in the Premier League season that was like Van La Parra squared which was when he drifted past two Southampton defenders leaving one on the on his bum and then put the cross out for a throw-in and Dia Carby came on and had a proper Dia Carby squared moment in that he got a touch he raced past the defender left him absolutely for dead centre-back center couldn't get over loads of time and space and the cross went out for a throw-in, and that's that's the aspect of his game that he's he's really, I mean, like it, I I would on the training pitch I would genuinely have him hours just working on crosses, mm-hmm. just just get either to the byline or from outside the area, just get that delivery sorted because it's like he's got all the. <laughs> He can play all the right notes, as Morecambe and Wise once <laughs> said, but not necessarily in the right yeah, order.
0: this is it. The sense I always get with Diakar, because I've seen him in training before, is... Um, he can hit a footballer if you watch him strike a free kick he can hit it really sweetly Mm. and he can run really really fast but he struggles to put those two things together Um, which is a bit of an issue for a professional footballer to be honest
1: but I bet you were you're exactly right and Bento was was much more on it and I I lamented on this podcast and we think it possibly got back to somebody in the club uh, because it was answered in a press conference about his body language when he used to come onto the pitch and I was watching him warming up and coming on and he was definitely very up for that and he was I mean his his moment where he cut inside and hit that shot from the angle was was probably Town's best chance of the game really other than Toffolo's header from sort of just under the bar Um, so that was promising but again it's about time it's about time.
0: Yeah, that they actually came on and played pretty much in the wing back roles interestingly. They they yeah. didn't initially at least play as part of that front three. Um and I wonder if that is going to be the plan for them going forward if if uh, is if, if Corbrand's going to to Moses them uh or at least one of them.
1: Well, I don't I don't necessarily think that would be the worst idea and I think if you look at the way Rowe played um, that's obviously a bit of a long-term goal for Roe going forward as well, I would suggest. The, the funny thing is about that is I, 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 I'm a bigger fan of Dehaney than some are. Um, I know he, he gets quite a lot of grief. I don't really know why on, on Twitter. I actually think he's a very good player. Funnily enough, I'm not actually sure he's cut out for a wing-back role. I think <laughs> he's far, uh, far better being a traditional right-back. But there, are, there is news, isn't there, at right-back? stroke right wing back
0: there is just before i get onto that though i will just say if they do convert and benzer or dia to wing back then that leaves them once again looking for another winger um so yeah i mean it, I'm, i i didn't get the impression that they were particularly looking at signing anyone else to go across that front three but i i wonder if they might have had a, a rethink on that um just based on as i say based on the fact that mounier has gone as well as as grant so Anyway, we'll see how it how it pans out. Um, but yes, they do have a new right back. Pippa has, has come to the club. He signed late on Monday night. He's a very attacking looking full back. Uh, looking at the clips and from hearing him speak as well, I think even he would admit that his strengths are, are more sort of in attack than in defence. And he acknowledges that he's going to have to do a bit of work to get used to sort of the more physical nature of the championship. It's always difficult when you've got a player of, of this sort of profile to, to pass judgment on them, but uh, do you want to give it a go anyway, Dave? Yeah,
1: it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it looks a very promising, very good signing. I think having um, done a little bit of scouting on him um, in when we first heard the link, I think he's he's somebody who has a little way to go defensively, but going forward, there's no doubt he's uh, he's a real talent to be fair um spanish under 21 international which is is no mean feat and i've been like you can get suckered by youtube compilations you can get drawn in and suddenly get caught out thinking this kid's a world beater but i think what he can do is crossable which i know sounds like almost damning with faint praise but his delivery is is really really good and that is going to be so important for town to get the best from danny ward this is this in this system and this way um so i think it's uh yeah i think it's a, a very decent signing they've it sounds like they've paid i would suggest a little bit less than the going fee for him as well which is is good business um, but yeah, he he needs to settle down. He needs to settle into it. The championship is very very different from. I think he, did he make nine appearances for Espanol last season? Something like that.
0: It was thirteen in all competitions. Uh, thirteen
1: in all competitions, and only had a year in the. Was it the third tier, second or third it's, tier it's, the year before?
0: Uh, yeah, he played for gymnastic in the second tier, uh, the segunda, um, the the previous year. He has played third tier for Espanyol B as well.
1: Yeah, so it, it's gonna. It's. <laughs> I'd suggest. I mean. I'm only repeating what I've told you on WhatsApp, Steve, but I suggest what's probably going to happen is he's going to play really, really well for a couple of games and then he's going to get some lunking 32-year-old go through him two-footed and he's going to have to just respond to a few games of that. But that, unfortunately, like it or lump it, that is (laughs) is the league that Town are in. That is what what it's all about, Mm. unfortunately. I'm sure you'll respond. He looks... uh, He also looks like he's sort of built to play in the way we think Carlos wants to play going forward. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, one of the things I noted after the the Rochdale game, and I think I've said here, is that they, they did get to the byline a lot for the crosses. They weren't, and I think that's a key change because particularly sort of the the, the end of the, the Premier League days under Siva and and before that under Wagner, they were putting in so many just... And and to be honest, at the start of last season as well, they were putting in so many just aimless crosses from deep that that were you know were never going to reach anyone. And even if they did, the amount of pace that the the striker needed to get on the header to try and turn it in was you know completely unrealistic. Under Corben, we've actually seen them get into the byline a lot. That they they seem to be instructed not to cross from deep, but to try and get basically as close to the, the touchline as they possibly can um, before they put the cross in. And from watching from watching Pippa play on on you know, the White Scout clips are downloaded. That's exactly his game. That's exactly what he likes to do. He's, he's, he actually looks to have a decent turn of pace on him to be fair. And he's, he's got a trick or two in his book as well. You know, he's, he's yeah. not Lionel Messi, but he's, he's not your, you know, he's not Danny Simpson either. Um, no. you know, he's, he's, he's almost the opposite of Danny Simpson, which, you know, I, I could understand if people hear that and they think, oh, so is it just another Flo Haddish and I again, then? Um, one, I, I, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's hard to judge a player on their defensive qualities based on clips alone, so I guess we'll see on that. But um I I suspect that it's not but even even you know, even if there is stuff that he needs to add to his, his game defensively, as I've said, they they play more as wing backs than as fullbacks in, in Corbrand system, so it might not matter as much as it as it did with Flo at the start of last season because you're less likely to it's the system is designed hopefully to try and cover for the wing backs getting forward like that in a way that that it wasn't with with flow at the start of last season so i think it it on paper and from looking at the clips it looks like a shrewd signing but you yeah. know there's always that word of caution as i say particularly when we're talking about a player who has has played as little senior football as he has and he's he's 22 so it's not like he's a he's a 19 year old um you know you're always got that question mark but you know, he's it's a, it's a Spain under-21 international, and if you look at the players he's playing alongside in that side, you know, it's not an easy team to walk into. So, but there seems no, to be something I, there.
1: Yeah, I, it was... I mean, ev- everybody you talk to um, or you get the chance to talk to about him says long-term he is a, you know, a Premier League La Liga fullback or mm. wing-back, however, depending where he goes. So, it's obviously a very decent signing. But the, the whole thing about crossing is that town i've got to get it's a very bielsa thing to basically play very sort of as low a percentage football as possible in terms of don't just get the ball and pump across into the box in the hope someone gets in the idea is that you cross the ball to somebody in the box rather than just put it in an area Mm. and if if this this if if pippa keep thinking i keep thinking of pippa middleton uh if pippa can play that sort of percentage football. So if he can become, you know, if if he can go on and get anywhere near close to 10 assists this season, that is going to be massive for that oh, side. Oh, yeah. Massive. Um, and that is something that they've they've been lacking. You know, it was when I think Haddad and I's two assists, we worked out that one of them had come from midfield anyway, hadn't it? Yeah, When he'd that's been right, playing yeah. against Charlton. So these are sort of, when you're looking to replace mooney and Grant's goals, you're not just looking at somebody to suddenly pop up and get 23 goals next season. You're also looking at the ways they're created and, and town finding different pathways into the box and different areas of space. And I think this is a signing that goes a little way towards that. So, yeah, it's, it, it looks certainly looks good on paper.
0: Yeah, and they, they certainly needed a, a right back, um, as you say, Aaron Rowe. Uh, did pretty well I thought he's one of the few players to emerge with with any credit really from that Rochdale game um he he got the highest score I got which was I gave out on the day which was a six but (laughs) um but yeah but um what was I going to say yeah it's one key position filled that right back slot and they've obviously I think since we last recorded they've signed Joel Pereira as well we've not talked about him so much just because I believe the intention is that he's going to be the backup goalkeeper this season I don't think they're they're looking at him becoming the number one they they, they have signed him I think we'll put it this way The, the message I got before Ryan Schofield broke his thumb was that they weren't particularly looking at goalkeepers so I think they have just signed him just because Schofield's going to miss the first sort of six weeks or so of the season and they obviously can't be without a goalkeeper there are still positions they need to fill and when we talked about a couple of them uh last time I believe the centre-back I think is quite desperately needed at least one centre-back they, they need a dynamic ball playing midfielder at uh, Ball playing centre back, don't they? Because, you know, the the, oh. the most senior options they've got once he's back from injury, they've got Tommy Elphick, they've got Chris Trishinder, who obviously played against Rochdale, and they've had Richard Stearman, who played not very well. It has to be said in 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 preseason, played for the B team on Monday as well, and none of them are particularly well suited to this this style of play. They they slow things down a bit too much. So, there's there's work to be done there. And likewise, they could do with, I think, another, again, more um, mobile defensive midfielder in number six to, one, take the pressure off, off Jonathan Hogg and, two, hopefully be a long-term successor to him. Because, oh. you know, again, for all this, the, the caveats about the fact that he's barely trained, let alone played... Um, you know, Hoggy's over 30 now and this is, he has played that system before where he's dropping back in between the centre backs. He did it a bit for, for, for Wagner, but I think the impetus on him to, to start building the play was probably a little bit less under Wagner than it, than it's going to be under and So,
1: well, he had Aaron Moy, so Yeah. He, you know, Hogg's, just pass it Hogg's to my job with the greatest respect was just to pass it to Moy, like you say. Um, yeah. And I think that like, <laughs> as good as Lewis o'Brien is and he's obviously an immensely talented young man who's going to go very very far um they they need that role is is built for quarterbacking so mm. what you need to be able to do is just drop into that back three and do the defensive thing but you also need to be able to sort of play the ball competently over five yards 10 yards 30 yards 40 yards and ultimately uh, you know jonathan hogg is not that man um so that that needs looking at longer term and as you said he has got one or two in uh, injury issues as well i i don't think you can rely on jonathan hogg to to go and play 46 games for you this season so that's an area that needs looking at and the wingers thing is still an issue steve um as you said you Convert If you convert what you've got into wing-backs or if you go with what you've got, that's fine. But then you have to accept that there are going to be days like there were on Saturday where your central striker is just not going to get on the ball. Mm. Um, and that's that's difficult because town historically have not been great recruiting on the wing, um, recruiting those players. So that's an area that needs careful looking at. But there is there is still time there is still time it's it's easy to like there was a lot of panic after that Rochdale game and there was a lot of oh it's going to be exactly the same this season all this sort of thing like another couple of signings like Pippa and suddenly that squad looks totally different you know like massively different so I think you just have to wait and see where you are in a couple of weeks really
0: yeah, and I think the fact that they they're starting to get players out the door probably yeah, helps helps, helps enormously. them enormously. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of balancing the wage bill, just even even put aside any transfer fees they might get for anyone, and you know that they've not they've not had insubstantial money for Ramadan Sobi. Obviously, Carlin Grant's going to command a huge fee. The the number for Steve Munier, I've no idea whether this is correct or not, but Le Keeper are, are claiming that he's worth five million euros to Brest, which is. Uh, Four and a half million pounds, so that's not a small chunk of change. But all of those players will have been on on good money as well, and that's before we 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 talk well, I, about Flo Haddish and I So yeah,
1: I I was looking if they got Grant Haddish and I, uh, Mounier out the door, um, and Subdi as well. I I think that's that's probably about three and a half million quid off the wage bill. Over a year, yeah, yeah, and that is that's very significant. That gives them some more room. Um, I mean, we need to talk about the legend that is Ramadan Subday moving and everything he's done in his town career, all the goals, all the assists. What was your favourite performance
0: from him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just too many to name, aren't there? We'll do a
1: separate pod on that.
0: Yeah, on Ramadan, Ramadan Subi retrospective. But yeah, no, and, you know, the the transfer, even... Obviously, it's going to be a help that they've freed up a bit of budget now, and it it should hopefully. Not, I'm not saying they're going to go out and spend all of the money they're recouping transfer fees. I think that's that's unrealistic, but it definitely eases the pressure, and it will have been a massive relief, I'm sure, at the boardroom to have had you know to to have finally started seeing players move out. The the fact that we are only just seeing the players start to go out, though, I think again we've hammered this point home enough but i think we've also not hammered it home enough i don't think you can hammer it home enough this market is really really difficult you know soby has had clubs interested in him and a bidding war going on for about two months and it's taken that long for someone to finally you know push the button and sign and that's the reality of of transfer business at the moment you know even even a player who is and, you know, we can joke about him, but he's re- he's really, really highly rated and he's a massive, massive, massive sign-in for an Egyptian club. Um, and... The fact that there was that bidding war around him and there was so much interest and so much hype and so much incentive for those clubs to go and get him and yet it still took two months to happen speaks a lot about where we are in the transfer market and town are not alone in that. And if you look around the rest of the division and look at sort of the number of signings and also the quality of the signings that other clubs have made, the ones that have done a lot of business and done a lot of good business are uh, the definite exceptions to the rule across even yeah. even up into the Premier League, to be honest um yeah. so it's not just town, but as we've said before town there aren't many clubs that probably needed quite the the surgery and the number of additions that 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 town did either as well, so I can understand no. the anxiety
1: that this is it i i think the the outs are you know, I said it before the outs are, are almost more important than the ins still. I think towns still need to get some room on that wage bill. Um I mean if, if we talk about the players that are going and potentially if he gets somewhere near fit enough to pass some sort of medical then Congolo might go out as well. Um yeah. That really does give town some breathing space with that wage bill. Um, and gives them some room to potentially get players in that they want to get in but you you look at clubs like Stoke and Norwich who've done a large amount of business or Bristol City getting three players in yesterday um, you know Mawson Sessegnon and there was someone else as well uh, Chris Brunt wasn't it got, yeah Uh, town just haven't got the money to just go and do those deals at the moment so yeah it's a tough market it's a really really tough market I was telling you about I I spoke to somebody at another club uh, who've got a player who is not agitating for a move but would like to go they're happy to let him go they think he's worth about two to two and a half million his his agent has pumped him around a few clubs and it got a couple interested uh, and one said they'll only offer about 300,000 for him which is you know as as flat as a market can possibly be um so it's it's difficult and for a town to go out and get someone like Pippa shows that they're trying to do things outside of the norm they're not just looking at a Alfie Mawson and going, you'll do because you've played in the Premier League. Uh, they're trying to they're trying to find the right players for the system. So it, it's doubly difficult for Town really because it's it's they need bodies through the door, but unfortunately they've got to be the right bodies as well. It's not just about filling the squad out. So yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult, and I I think we're we're recording this on the Tuesday. Um, there might be hopefully one more body in before the Norwich game potentially um we know they sort of the center back um, and the midfield they they're looking at some loan options and loan options can be done fairly quickly but it's uh, town's recruitment is going to go right the way to the last day of the window i think yeah um and we said on podcast in in at the back end of last season and in pre-season that that's not where they need to be they need to get it done early it's just not run like that but that's again as you've just described it's not all the club's fault um they would have hoped to have got those players out a couple of weeks ago the the Mounier deal has dragged on a bit at this stage as well Steve because I think the first link of of talks was about two weeks ago so yeah it's it is difficult it is difficult but that squad will look a bit different one way or another
0: yeah definitely I I mean I've I'm not sure if we will get anyone in before Norwich. I'm sure they'll be trying if they possibly can. Um, and as we've said, you know, same as with Grant, things can move quickly. I would hope that they would have at least one more in before Brentford. And But, um, yeah, we, I, this window yeah. is so hard to predict, isn't it? So, you know, the, the, win, the, the transfer window is open until 5th of October. To be honest, I think as well, to be frank, I had a bit of a concern um, during pre-season and particularly after the Bradford game, when there was so much praise for for how the kids had been doing, uh, for how the academy players did in that second half against Bradford. And I was a bit concerned thinking, I hope that the club don't look at that Bradford game and look at that performance and think, right, well, we don't need to go and sign anyone because we've got Josh Osterfield. Because, and that's no slight on Josh Osterfield at all, um, but you can get... If you can get one or two, maybe three players into the first team from that academy, that is amazing going. Um, you're not going to get five or six players playing regularly in the first team this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's admirable to want to work with what you've got and to want to bring those players through. And that's part of the reason they've hired Carlos Corbran. And I'm sure that there's one, two, three, maybe four that, that will go on and have a good career at, at Huddersfield Town or, or elsewhere um, at, at sort of equivalent level. But there's an awful lot of players there that are going to, let's be honest, end up playing, you know, League One, League Two football. And they can't count on them at the moment to to get them through the championship season. They they'd still need to get people in. And I think in that respect, sort of losing to Rochdale, having played a few of the kids. And again, I'm not having a go at any of the, the kids who played. That they're in a very difficult situation and they're adapted to a new style of play. All the caveats we've already given. If if there was any complacency, and I'm speculating rather than basing this on anyone, but if there was any complacency as a result of that Bradford game, then then hopefully that's that's completely gone now that they've seen them in a competitive game.
1: Yeah, I think I think like slow is the the player you would use as a bellwether there really in that he he's done okay pre-season and there were spells in that Rochdale game where he did okay but then there was that that spell before and after half time where he was struggling to pass it over 10 yards and mm-hmm. that that's a player that in ideal circumstances you would get out to um league two or league one if you could to play 30 games somewhere to come back a little bit more ready um, to put in there. It's not somebody who can sit and go, right, they're going to play 25 championship games for us this season. And Town need a couple that are, Oven ready really um to to come in. I think Daly Osterfield uh, potentially Rowe as well are all going to get plenty of football this year in the first team and Edmund Green as well. I would suggest yeah. I, from well, I hope Edmund Green done because I think he's a slightly different case in that I think he's he's he is somebody who can play twenty twenty five games in this league. Yeah. But. I think what they what they need to be are options rather than first team players, so that yes, they can exactly. be available for rotation and uh, and bringing in. So yeah, there's there's a balance to be struck. There's a balance to be struck, and I, like I look at somebody, as I say, I'm not picking on him at all, but I look at somebody like Critchlow, and again, it's like all the basic building blocks are there. You've just it's a position that needs experience. And it needs, the only way you get that experience is by playing. And uh, Town are not in a position to just give a player like that 30 games.
0: No, it's a brutal to, league. It's a brutal, yeah, brutal division. it really
1: is. Yeah, it really is. Um, I think we also, just to go back to Pereira a little bit, which who you mentioned earlier, they are looking at, at Hamer as their number one, certainly until Schofield is somewhere near fit. And there's a maybe a question to be asked about, where the sort of standings are between the three keepers but Hamer had one moment I think on Saturday but he wasn't too bad other than that and I think the problem is that it becomes a bit of a it becomes a bit of a cycle because town fans are just waiting for the mistake rather than seeing when he actually does something okay um so I I think we just have to wait and see with Ben Hamer I don't think he's I don't think he's anywhere near As bad as some would suggest, but he does look completely bereft of confidence. And my my slight hope there is that there's a player that actually playing in front of no fans and then only a few fans that might actually help play him into form a bit because it's not quite as you know intimidating for a goalkeeper um, as standing there after you've made a mistake in front of three thousand fans. So we'll see what happens with Ben Hamer.
0: Yeah, and. You know, we know that to be honest, we know that he's a goalkeeper who has blunders in him. Um, but uh, but a lot of goalkeepers do at this level, that's why they're playing at this level and not in the Premier League.
1: Funnily enough, my question marks over him aren't about the mistakes, they're about his distribution. Mm. I think he's if like if he's uh, Huddersfield Town don't need an Edison, so they don't need somebody who's like a sweeper basically, who sweeper in goalkeeper gloves. But they need somebody who is capable of sort of passing the ball early when the opportunity arises, or hitting that you know sexy sidewide volley out to a to a and Imbenza who has found themselves some space and a you know a, a decent track of land to run in ahead of them.
0: And Bender against Manu from Lurzel's assist. Kind yeah,
1: of and yeah. my funnily enough, I I'm <laughs> I'm a lot happier with Hamer facing shots than I am with him with the ball in his hands. I, I, I think he needs to work on his distribution more, but we'll we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah, and he's going to be, I think, hopefully a decent enough goalkeeper at this level. And obviously Ryan Schofield's going to be back in, in six weeks or so as well, and he'll be pushing Hamer all the way for a place in that starting eleven as well. So if it does all go to pot with, with Hamer, then there's the opportunity there for, for Schofield to, to come in and make an impression. But yeah, I mean...
1: The the Pereira as well. I think it's worth addressing the fact that a lot of Huddersfield Town fans have looked at what Hearts fans said about Pereira and his spell up there and have just assumed, "Oh, he's a load of rubbish." I've actually, if you look a bit beyond that, he didn't have a good time up there. But it was a classic case of a young keeper who had a bad game early on and then basically couldn't get his confidence back. Before that, he's actually been quite a highly rated young keeper. Mm. (laughs) You know, you like. He has been at Man United, who let let's be honest, they're not they're not in the business of just sort of carrying people like that. So well, who's I, who's
0: come from Man U over the years from their academy as Goalkeepers you've got Ben Foster, you got Dave uh, Henderson, yeah, Dean Henderson, Tom Heaton. You know yeah. they've, they've not all yeah. gone on to play for Man U, but you know they've had perfectly yeah. good careers.
1: So I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he's brilliant, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't believe what. People on the internet say it the best of times, but I wouldn't believe just because he's had a bad spell somewhere else that naturally transfers that. Oh, he's going to be terrible here either. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think he I think he'll be broadly speaking be fine. I'd be shocked if he wasn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, if he even plays, let's be honest. Exactly. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, still work to be done. But I think the 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 paper signing just takes a bit of the pressure off because people were really, really getting, you know, ready to erupt and it it feels, I mean, the Pippa signing seems to have gone down pretty well, by and large, so mm. um, hopefully that has released a bit of the pressure but but they're not out of the woods yet. They still need a couple more as we've talked about, so we'll see how that goes over the, the next few weeks, I suppose. Um, Norwich City coming on Saturday. Um, really tough start, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's probably the toughest fixture in the decision in the vision as it stands. Um, they've they've lost a couple of players, but they've recruited really well. Norwich it's, mm-hmm. they've done this weird they've done this weird thing that I can't quite get my head around, which is basically write a season off in the Premier League so that they can have an even better season in the Championship after. Mm. <laughs> which is is I understand the sort of theory behind bouncing, but it's quite an odd odd way to do it because they really did write last season off I think they only spent about a million and a half didn't they or something yeah
0: they certainly didn't Aston Villa put it that way
1: no so they've actually spent a lot more this summer for their season in the championship than they did for their season in the Premier League so they've got a lot of goals in them they've got a lot of creativity um but they've also mixed that first team up and it's going to take a while for them to click and gel and partnerships to form. So there is an argument that if you are going to play them at home, do it early before they sort of, you know, hit their straps 10 games in and are are really going. But it, it's a daunting fixture. There's there's absolutely no denying it. And I, I strongly suspect that Norwich are going to come into that game and probably play like the home side as well. Yeah. Um so it's it's yeah it's a tough old start tough gonna, old start it should be a really
0: open game um and but yeah he again you just this is the thing with this new system is you you do worry at the moment that open games don't particularly favour Huddersfield Town based on last year's evidence uh, and but that's you know that's what coaching is for and that's exactly why Gorbran was brought in was almost for exactly that reason um, you know to try and make it so that the town are playing on their own terms and it's not going to happen overnight and yeah you know, we, we, we're talking we're talk about it like it's a foregone conclusion and it's it's very much like that West Brom game, uh, weirdly, towards the end of last season where we were sort of writing it off and already looking ahead to the, the Millwall game on the final day and I think we're already sort of writing town off for those those games against Norwich and Brentford and, and, and Nottingham Forest. Uh, yeah, uh,
1: yes and no. I think, as I said, I think it's almost less... Uh, in those first three games, that's that's a that's a nightmare. First three games, you couldn't yeah. really have picked a worse three games. But you've got, I think, the team who are going to be the strongest in the division in Norwich. You've got Brentford in their new home stadium, who will be keen to 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 put on a show. And then you've got Forest, that are a team that Town have just a, a wildly inconsistent record against. So it's very it's very difficult to make a case for you know. I mean, it's difficult to make a case for three points out of those three games, but you, you never know. But I, it's about performance. It's about town fans seeing something in at least one of those games where they go, do you know what? Yeah, I, I can see what the future is. I can see where we're supposed to be going. Because that, that was the problem with the Rochdale game is that everybody just came out of it going, well, I, I, you know, where's the pattern? What's What's the difference there? And I completely get that. I completely get that. So I, I think they really need to be more concerned about just working on those patterns, working on those those passing transitions, trying to get a goal for Danny Ward somehow to get him up and running, get him going, and trying to give, you know, if Inbenza is now seriously up for this and it was a good cameo, get some minutes in his legs, get him on the pitch, and also just how are you going to set that midfield up until Lewis O'Brien is back? Yeah, because um, it's it's there are there's just so many questions, aren't there? That's the problem. There's just so many questions, and I just I I think that it, the the problem with the Rochdale game is we just we we haven't even answered one of them, have we? <laughs> you know, not yeah, a thing. This is it. So that's that's the big issue. So that you look at these three games and you just go, wow, that looks incredibly tough but like you just said you know who knows who knows
0: yeah well we'll hopefully get some more answers to those questions and hopefully they'll be the right kinds of answers uh dave thanks for joining me as usual uh where can people find you on twitter uh at david hartrick lovely you didn't do it in the sing song voice i'm disappointed uh i'm obviously at Stephen chicken we're at examiner H C A S C as well uh follow, like us on facebook all of that kind of thing leaves a review why not And we will see you next time on Utabia. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.
0: Yes.